Well, good morning as we gather on this Tuesday in the fifth week of Lent. We have this first reading from the book of Numbers. Numbers gets its name from the fact the book consists of a bracketing of two censuses. There's a census taken soon after the people of Israel depart Egypt and make their way into the desert. And there's a census taken at the end of that 40 years journey, well, 38 years uh, is when the census is taken chronologically. And so the book of Numbers gets its name from the fact that there's a numbering of the people, both at the beginning and end of the journey. And their miraculous departure from Egypt is certainly strong evidence of God's love for them. And then throughout their wanderings in the desert, there are there's miracle after miracle after miracle, provision after provision after provision for the people, but yet they are unhappy, we're told. As they're making their way as we began, then they set out from Mount Ward by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, threatening people there. And the people became impatient because of the journey. You can imagine, you can remember whether perhaps your time as a child or your own children today, Mom and Dad, are we there yet? No, we are not there yet. Be patient, our Lord is saying. We are not there yet to the people. And they are complaining, and they're complaining vehemently against all the provision that he's provided for them. Our God has given the people. He's fed them, he's nourished them, he's protected them, he's shielded them. He's defeated enemies who would want to do them great harm and kill them. Still, they are unhappy. So the Lord sent fiery seraphs, serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And many of Israel died. So the people came and complained to Moses and said, We have sinned in a penitent's way. We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord. And your intercession with the Lord, please do that, that he may remove serpents from us. And Moses did intercede, and the people were then spared this tragedy. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks on it, he will live. And Moses made that serpent and set it on a standard, and it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked upon that bronze serpent, he would live. Today we recognize universally as a symbol of medical care. Many different religious, or I'm sorry, many different medical communities bear that as a symbol. You see it, it's a serpent wrapped around a pole. We look upon that as a source of healing. Nurses, doctors, various practitioners of the medical arts have a symbol that is reflective of that experience, that if I look upon this, I find, I find healing. In our gospel narrative from John, we have to begin actually in the third chapter. Today's reading is from the eighth chapter, but in the third chapter, we have the story of Nicodemus. Now, he's a Pharisee as well. He's fairly significant in the community in Jerusalem, and he comes to Jesus at night because he's afraid of being discovered going to see this itinerant preacher as a Pharisee. He's anxious for the condemnation he would receive from his peers. And so we're told that in the third chapter. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus is very direct in this teaching. And he says then in the 14th verse of that third chapter, and no one is ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the son of man. And as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up 
that whoever believes may in him have eternal life. And then the verse famous to all of Christendom. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And today in the eighth chapter, we have that direct teaching again. It's unambiguous. It's unequivocal. There's no, there's no equivalency in the human story to this claim. It's very direct. It's very specific. It's very clear. He says this, that unless you have me, unless you believe in me, you will die. You are from below, he says to the Pharisees. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I said, therefore, to you that you shall die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. You shall die in your sins. It's unequivocal. It's no mistake. It's not ambiguous. Unless you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, you will die in your sins. That's the message of Christendom. That's a message of Christendom, and it's an invitation open to all in the world. It's an open, inclusive invitation. It's an exclusive decision. It's an inclusive invitation. It's an exclusive decision. Unless we believe in the Son of Man, we will die in our sins. And once having believed in the Son of Man, once having claimed that belief, we have the supreme obligation to walk in accordance with those teachings, don't we? We don't just claim it and then live any way we want. No, no, we claim it and then live in accordance with the teachings that he's given us. He tells that, that, he says, unless you look upon the one who's been lifted up, and I will be lifted up. And for Catholics, that's the beauty of the cross. It's a reminder that our Lord and Savior, fully man, fully God, came into the world that all may live. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he sent his son to us. And he came into the world to defeat sin, and defeat sin he does, defeats death itself. The ultimate end of natural life is death. And our Lord defeats death itself in his death and resurrection. In his humanity he died, not his divinity. In his humanity he died. And in that dying, defeated death itself. The greatest fear that a human can know is the end of their natural life, perceivably. And he defeats the greatest fear. He defeats death and offers eternal life to those who believe on him. Only to those who believe on him. Only to those who believe in him. I am the way and the truth and the life, he says. Unless you believe in me, unequivocally, unless you believe that I am the son of man, you will die in your sins. So our responsibility as Catholics, having been exposed to the gospel truth, having received him in our hearts through God's generosity, not through our merits, through God's generosity, we have an opportunity and moreover a responsibility to take that truth out into the world, to live it in how we practice our life and to speak it among all those whom we meet. Our world is desperately in need of that good news story. Our nation is desperately in need of simple truths that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. We have a responsibility to live and speak that truth in all of our community interactions and all of our ways of being, to not be ashamed or, or fearful of, uh, fear, ashamed in our faith or fearful of the world's condemnation, the world will die. The world will die. But those who believe in him have that promise of eternal life testified through his death and resurrection. So as we go forward now, walking closer this week to Palm Sunday, anticipating the most joyous time of our lives celebrated each year, this Easter Paschal mystery 
We must go through the passion of the cross to get to the Easter story. We must go through the passion of the cross to get to the Easter story. Our lives often reflect that. There's turmoil and struggle and hardship in our life, but it's focused on the Easter story. Let us lift one another up in truth and in confidence. God bless you.